0: It's a deep deep deep.
1: The week of the Just Baseball Show, January has 31 days. It is Monday, January 31st. Before we get rolling, I just want to say we're recording before the AFC and NFC Championship games. So you'll get zero NFL football here, and you got to be okay with that. Arm Layton, you and Peter Apple will touch that tomorrow, but we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today. I'm Jack McMullen. He is Arm Layton. This is the Just Baseball Show. Uh, we are going to buy or sell down years. We're going to start with the American League. You and Peter are going to do the National League tomorrow. It's not health dependent. Let's no. get that right out of the way. Yeah. So like Anthony Rendon, we're not talking about right now because he was unhealthy for the entirety of 2021.
0: Yeah, and I, I like that like disclaimer out of the gate because one of my biggest pet peeves is, is trying to project health. One, because I don't want to project the negative side of it. I'm not going to say this guy's going to get injured. And then I also think it's impossible to say this guy won't get injured. So guys like Rendon, even like Mike Soroka, a lot of players like that, if it's health dependent, we're going to try to stay away from that. Sure, some of these players might have dealt with some nagging injuries, but if they played a majority of the year, that's what we want to talk about. And uh, yeah, that's a really important disclaimer, because if you're wondering why didn't they mention this guy or that guy, it's because we don't really want to mess with the injuries. We want to focus on the baseball aspect what we actually can uh, identify and analyze exactly so for example like you guys
1: are going to talk about christian yelich tomorrow even though we know yelich was dealing with a back thing right like but he played he He played played. through the back things so he exposed himself to hyper analysis on his poor performance anthony rendon did not chris sale did not justin verlander did not mike soroka did not so we're not touching any of those guys And you say predicting injuries. I mean, we talked about it with the Little League World Series, right? Like people were coming after Gavin Weir's mechanics (laughs) during the Little League World Series. First of all, how much of a loser do you have to be to do that? And second of all, like people were saying that Chris Sale's elbow was going to spontaneously combust the entire time that he was in Chicago and his first couple of years in Boston. And it took until 2019 for it to happen. And you
0: know what's funny, man? I I think there's there's such a backwards belief that the lower your arm slot is, the worse your your you'll be with your arm. Actually, it's, it's advantageous. A lot of those guys, I mean, look at like Randy Johnson, that guy threw for a bajillion years. Going down to high three quarters is not worse on your arm. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's one of those weird baseball myths, one of those weird fables uh, that I haven't really understood. Okay. So torn UCLs, you know what else they're apparent in? Javelin,
1: throwing the javelin nobody throws a javelin sidearm it's
0: over the top like it doesn't matter submarine javelins oh
1: god submarine javelin i mean they would get embarrassed at like the team trials for team they'd be healthy they'd be oh yeah they'd be healthy i underhand javelin yeah that that's something else uh that's not an olympian i promise you that anything that puts stress on your elbow is going to put you at risk for a torn ucl it doesn't matter what arm slot you're coming from um but that's all to come i've got like four or five things that i want to kind of go through rapid fire before we get to these american league candidates cool yep let's do it all right number one you just
0: started euphoria um, Yeah. what yeah. do you think um so an outrageous amount of men geni- men's genitalia yeah um, that was, I would have liked to disclaimer. I know there's a disclaimer in the beginning, but there's disclaimers for like PG 13 shows right. and stuff like that. When they said nudity in the beginning, I, I just wasn't mentally prepared. Like, it's okay. I can handle it. I'm, I'm, I'm a big boy and I'm comfortable with myself, but it's a, it's like they're going out of their way, man. But but aside from that, great show, entertaining. Uh, your classic like high school that doesn't actually exist environment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, like these kids are like ripping Molly as juniors at the carnival. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know how many high schools are doing that. At least mine didn't. I'm sure there's some out there that do. But the show itself, wildly entertaining. Wow. So entertaining. So I look forward intense. to watching it every night. I do.
1: You know what? We're gonna leave the male genitalia thing at this um a lot of those people that are featured in that show
0: need uh manscaped for sure oh yeah they do man that could have been a great ad plug if we had them i thought i think people probably thought right when you said that oh they got manscaped nope we nope. didn't that's free but yeah. yes you're correct
1: um all right next thing uh I I came across this page on Instagram. It's called the raw meat experience. This guy is eating just nothing but like raw meat every day. And he, the, the bio is eating raw meat at whole foods every day until I die from bacteria, seeing if I live for five days or 500 years. Like, I mean, he's got videos of him just like eating like, just sucking down eggs raw eggs and eating like steak
0: this is ridiculous it, you know it's interesting though is like he's okay with dying in in five weeks or whatever but also okay with living for 500 years so it's it's an interesting situation there where he's like he's down for whatever normally you do that if you're like oh i don't really care about this life thing anymore i'll, I'll just i'll just roll with this and see how it goes Yeah. Uh, yeah it's not gonna end well man i mean it's it's weird though like he said he's feeling healthier than ever <laughs> dude he, he needs to be careful like there's gonna be people that start following that yeah and well his his instagram
1: story is just a bunch of people trying slonking which i didn't know was a real word but slonking is when you just drink like raw eggs <sighs> dude we got, we got a wild, wild world. God. I mean, welcome to the United States of America in 2022, right? Next topic of discussion. I think the UCLA Bruins are going to win the national title.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're up there. They're, they're a top three for me. Um, to do what they're doing without Juzang, Johnny Juzang. Uh, they're deep. They they've been there. They were there last year. They've returned a lot of guys. I there's no reason to believe they can't do it. No reason. I mean, they just beat a really,
1: you you use the word confident, yeah. Really adequate Stanford team. Like Stanford beat USC. Stanford is a pretty
0: well. Solid I was just saying team. I was watching that USC win, and they were exuding confidence. I mean, the way they came off the court too. They, they were they were strutting their stuff. They came out early in the game against UCLA. Like we're gonna do it again. Yeah, um, but like, and, and Bruins- that's why it was an impressive win. It was but an like, impressive win for sure.
1: Pulled a pole. The Bruins just beat the breaks off Stanford a without Juzang And with Jaime Haquez taking two shots.
0: Yeah. No, they're, like, they're, they're a good team, man.
1: They're deep. They're a lot deeper than just those two. I mean, everybody knows JuZang from the NCAA tournament. And then Hakez was the one that, you know, obviously with the good stash and like the, the headband and the flow. Yes. But like Jules Bernard, really good player. Tiger Campbell, really good player. Cody Dick Riley. Man. Yes. He was one of the guys that was arrested in China with jello ball for shoplifting, but a really good player. And then Peyton Watson is really good. Like I don't know. There's just a bunch of stuff there. So that's my thought. Um, You love the
0: Miami hurricanes a lot. Yeah, I do. I do this team, man. You got the sixth year point guard. You've got two exciting guards in the back with, with Wong and um, you know, McGusty. I I just think they've got, they've got that, that like tournament, structure to their team yeah that that i think could could make a little run and they won again they won again my canes i at least i have one miami team in the heat and the heat mm-hmm. the heat are legit too my miami teams are hanging in there uh we got marlins week probably coming up never uh so looking forward to that uh but yeah this is uh some bounce back candidates on this side too i'm excited about because uh, Syracuse basketball not a bounce back candidate on on that side of things.
1: No, not not at all. Um, all right, last thing on the rapid fire agenda for me, I went card fishing again yesterday. I just unloaded the card collection that was sitting in my basement, um, and I found some fun ones that I just want to roll through and just give me a valuable or not. Cool. Yep. Got a Tony Clark Yankees card here, president
0: of the MLBPA. No, and probably dropping as we speak in yeah. terms of value, because he's not great at his 100%. job. How about uh, one of the new voices
1: of Sunday night baseball, Eduardo Perez oh, dropping <laughs> as we speak. I love Eddie. All right. I've got a set of three here. These are presidential pastime cards. So we've no, got what? James Buchanan here.
0: Um, <laughs> there's a tops James Buchanan card. Yeah. There's a tops Andrew Johnson here. These are some trash presidents too. These and are like then, then we've got on tops. Ulysses S. Grant. Here. Okay, that's fire. That's fire. Kind of I don't fire. know what, uh, I don't know what any of those three did, but I know more things are named after Ulysses S. Grant and the other two are like those was this guy a president or not? And you ask a person on the street, I guarantee you more people would get it wrong than right in our country. Right.
1: Right. I think people would say, Andrew Johnson, I know he's on the $20 bill, but I didn't know he was like a president of the United States. No,
0: and Buchanan, are you kidding me? No one's oh, – I don't even want to know how many people would get that wrong. Who knows uh-huh. James
1: Buchanan? This is a baseball. I, pod, I, I barely think. know James Buchanan. All right, back to the baseball. Look how young Jason Worth looks in this. Oh, my gosh. Jason Worth, Blue Jays. With, with short hair. Oh, my gosh. Jason that's sick. Wirth. Keep that thing. Yeah, that's kind of sick, right? Um, how about this Manny Ramirez Indians card? This
0: is kind of cool. That's sick too. Probably not worth anything, but hold on to that. That's yeah, sick.
1: No, this is kind of cool. All right, I've got two prospect cards that I want to show you here. One is the combination of Justin Leon and Felix Hernandez.
0: Oh my gosh, that keep that. That actually might be something, but Justin Leon kind of screws it. Justin Leon kind of screws it. Craig Brazel kind of screws
1: this one, but David Wright, future Mets star. That's sick, dude. I've never seen those cards before. Those are sick. Kind of sweet, right? Okay. How about a Joe Maurer rookie card? That's actually worth something. Yeah, this is definitely worth something. So I enjoy a famer, um, a rookie Fernando Tatis senior card. I could probably (laughs) just
0: fake and say it's Tatis Jr. It's Tatis Jr. I swear, uh, I mean, the craziest thing is Tatis Sr. did something in Major League Baseball that Tatis Jr. will probably never do. Nobody else will ever do. Two grand slams in the same inning. No one will ever do it. So dad's got that one at least. Because that's probably the only thing dad's going to have over over junior. 100%. The 100%. only thing. Maybe DRS.
1: <laughs> Not for long. I, I promise. Uh, this one I'm sending to you, a D-trained oh, rookie card.
0: So sick. I was yeah. just talking about him today, actually. Man, D train. Okay. How about Andrew Miller? This rookie card. Oh, that's priceless. That guy's going to save the uh, who's he saving? Who'd you, who'd you? Oh, he's saving the Mariners. Yeah, that's right. Andrew Miller saving the uh, saving the Seattle Mariners. Justin
1: Verlander rookie card here. That's actually fire. Yeah, this is pretty sick. Um, a Justin Verlander 2005 draft pick card. Yeah, you need to do you should hold on to those two? Yeah, 100. How about this one? A Team USA Collegiate National Team Jason Giambi card. That's actually a, a, a decent
0: card. I, I'm serious. That one's actually like worth a couple bucks.
1: Cool. Sweet. Jason Giambi listed as a third baseman. Stats at Long Beach State. Guy slugged 548 his sophomore year. Hit 407. Yeah, Only yeah. three bombs his sophomore year.
0: With a BESR bat. It's kind <laughs> of embarrassing
1: no wonder he juiced how about a ryan braun rookie card that isn't actually ryan braun this is whoa, a whoa, different whoa. guy
0: whoa wait, dude that actually might be worth something error cards are worth a lot but it's not an error card it's it's a different guy
1: named ryan braun
0: oh it's ryan braun but it's just like a different ryan braun yeah he was a
1: pitcher for the royals uh ryan braun So the only error was just him being named Ryan Braun. Yeah, him being bad. Here's another error card. Here, Mike Stanton, former pitcher for the. Oh, I know
0: him. I know him. He he juiced. Mike Stanton juiced. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. The Uh, only reason I know that is because I remember seeing him listed in the Mitchell report, and I was like, as a kid, and I was. It was when Stanton was first coming up, and I was like, I remember I looked back. I think a couple years later. And I was like, no, it couldn't have been that Stanton or whatever. And I I found out it was the other Stanton. And then two of my
1: favorites here. I've got two Jeff Conine cards. One with the the Reds at the tail end.
0: The Reds. Holy crap. We could get those autoed. 100%. Autograph for you guys.
1: 100%.
0: Reds.
1: (laughs) All right. That's that. Shall we do buy or sell uh, down years? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We're doing the American League again. We are not talking about people with injury concerns. We are just talking about people with down years. And we start with the New York Yankees and Glaber Torres. Is Glaber Torres ever going to come back from what the hell happened here? Glaber Torres in 2021 in 127 games had his first year with his OPS under 700. I mean, it's hard. Nine bombs in 127 games. He's really bad.
0: I do. I don't really like it. I, I'm not feeling great about Labor Torres long term. I, I I really don't know if if the Yankees can lean on this guy to to really be a regular for them. I I just I look at what he struggled with specifically fastballs. Uh the last two years, man, he hasn't even been remotely competent against fastballs 93 and above he's been a 500 ops guy sub 200 batting average against fastballs 93 and above like that's everything you see now man uh the only fastballs he's really getting to are two seamers that are in the low 90s uh and you look at the last two years it's been a consistent thing there what what he had going for him was he was able to, to hit the fastballs in the past and was okay against breaking balls he, he was good against breaking balls last year, but he just saw more and more fastballs as the year went on. That report's out. It's clear. Blow him up with, with, with heat and velo. And for whatever reason, his timing is just off. That leg kick doesn't work for him and he can't time things up. But the problem is without the leg kick, he has no juice. Right. So he, he's in a really tough spot. And I mean, the craziest part, dude, is if you take away the Baltimore Orioles, <laughs> yeah. it, it ha- like he, I didn't do the math, but his numbers, are even worse. Uh, It's like really bad. And the Baltimore Orioles are obviously a team that just has lower end guys on the mound that just don't command the fastball well and don't throw 98. Uh, And and he feasted on those guys. I don't think Torres is going to bounce back personally.
1: Yeah, I I would say, you know, Gleyber Torres, the best career move he could make is go be the shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles because he hammers in Camden Yards. But then you take away the fact that he's never going to see pitching as bad as the Baltimore
0: Orioles. Yeah, and he can't there. see them. Exactly. And people are like, oh, look at his second half. Look at his second half. I, I understand that. Uh, it wasn't that much better. I, I think he really set the bar low for himself. He had a good eight games in August and then a, a decent September. I mean, he, 759 OPS. If that's like the high side, like, are we are we excited about that? Like, right. Like, I, 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 I'm not liking it. I really, you look at the home road splits. He was atrocious on the road, slightly better in the power department at home. Like it's not like he's really even taking advantage of what's going on. And the biggest thing is I'm telling you, he's struggling with fastballs, right? Righties are blowing him up last year. His platoon splits were were pretty bad. I mean, he's good against lefties and that's the thing. He might just be a guy that hits lefties at this point, because what do lefties do generally speaking, they don't throw as hard and, and you have a better chance there. So, 802 OPS against lefties, 651 OPS against righties. I think Labor Torres is is kind of just a move around the infield guy who who you put against lefties. I really think he's getting to that point. You got to give him a chance, but I think he's getting close to that.
1: But like 802 OPS against the strongest side is not even that good. Like that's the thing. Labor Torres, we were expecting to be this 850 OPS annually guy. Yeah. Occasionally he jumps into the 900s, but like that's not him. I think you're looking at a guy – who is going to be sitting on an average year for him around 750 with the OPS, which is not what you signed up for whatsoever. Granted, the Yankees oh. didn't get hurt by that trade because they got as Chapman back. It was 2016, they were not winning the World Series that year. So they went and got Glaber with the hope that he turns into a superstar and he's not even going to be a star anymore. Here was his big thing with 2021 um because the strikeout numbers were not that bad and the walk numbers were not that bad. He was walking at a pretty solid clip. He was putting bat on ball often, but the power sucked. I mean, yeah. you look at certain numbers here. He put up the lowest exit velo of his career on an average basis. Yeah. He put up the lowest launch angle of his career, the lowest hard hit rate of his career and the lowest fly ball rate of his career. This guy was not doing anything in the power department.
0: No. And what's crazy is he hit 38 jacks one year. So I think people will point towards that and say, oh, yeah, he did this. He did this. But the, the problem is he has it in there. Like there, when he connects, I mean, his max exit VLO is still you know top 20% in the game. But it requires so much for him to get that max exit VLO. It's a lot of effort in his swing that he has to pick between selling out for it or trying to make consistent contact. And when he tries to make consistent contact, He's just not impacting the ball enough. And then when he's selling out for it, he's swinging and missing through heaters too much. So he's in this really tough in-between spot. I think there's still a a chance that he can find, find that spot that that works for him between those two. Uh, But right now I think he's kind of lost. And on top of that, he's not a good defender, uh, at least at shortstop, you know, so you have him limited to second base. I, I just don't really see the appeal again. He's only 25. You got to give him another year. Uh, But I'm going to lean towards him, not really putting it together fully. And and I don't think he's the guy that, you know, we saw in 2019. I just don't think that guy is, is here anymore because the league kind of figured him out Yeah, figured him out a little bit.
1: All right. So, so we're buying the downswing. We're not, we're not selling or we're selling low. We're not buying low. So I guess we're going to call this buying the downswing, right? Or do we want to say we're selling labor Torres?
0: Yeah. Um, Let's say we're selling labor Torres, right? Yeah. yeah like so we're selling, we're, we're just dumping the stock, right? When yeah. the stock drops, you buy it if you believe in it. Okay. So we're, we're selling the stock. The other thing too, is he saw more fastballs in 2021 than he did in his entire career. Um, I wonder why, you yeah. know, I think, I think they're starting to figure that out. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, all right. So we're looking at these guys. This is our favorite thing to do, right? Dehumanizing baseball players. Absolutely. So we're looking so let's at treat them. them like stock. Yeah. Let's treat them like stock instead of human beings that, you know, yes. have a beating heart, just like we do. Yes. Um, so Gleyber Torres, we are selling that stock. We're selling yeah. low. I'm sure uh, Yankees fans will be upset about that one, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Another guy that I'm selling low and you may disagree is DJ LeMahieu. LeMahieu just put up the worst year of his career since 2014 when he was a 25 year old with the Rockies. Yeah. LeMahieu has been consistently like really really good. I mean you look at a 348 batting average in 2016, then you look at 327 in 2019 when he was a top 5 MVP vote getter with the Yankees and then 2020, I mean this guy hit 364 with a 421 OBP in 50 games in the abbreviated season. But then 2021 came, he hit 268, his OPS was 711. This guy hit 10 bombs in 150 games. He was not good. And I think he's over the hill, to be totally honest.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm a little worried, um, but I'm, I'm not willing to, uh, to give up on DJ yet. I totally understand the perspective. Uh, but DJ was dealing with a hip issue for a lot of the year. Um, and this kind of ties into the injury thing. But, you know, he played through it. And, and I think we really saw it affect him, uh, especially in just the ability to stay in his lower half. He really struggled to stay back on breaking balls. I was watching him just roll over, just struggling to stay in that hip because it was messed up for the whole year. And you look at what he did against off speed uh, in 2020 and just in his entire career, demolished it. 389 against off speed in 2020, 157 against off speed this past year. Uh, breaking balls, big downturn. He hit fastballs fine. So to me, it really just seemed like he struggled to stay in his base. And it makes sense with his hips, hip really giving him some issues. If he's healthy, you know, and again, that's where it's really hard. I still think there's something left in the tank. But to, to your point, if this hip is a nagging injury that, you know, doesn't get any better, then yeah, he could be on the downswing here. The thing is, though, is still impacts the baseball really well. Average exit VLO is top 25 percent. Max exit VLO right there, too. He's not chasing. He's not striking out. He's still walking. He's not whiffing. You know, if he's getting blown up by fastballs, I'd be concerned because Gleyber Torres, for example, low chase rate, high whiff rate. Yeah. Eh, don't like that. DJ's top 10% in chase rate, top 5% in whiff rate. Yeah, I'm not willing to give up yet, but I understand the concern.
1: Yeah. And, and there was a lower severity of contact for Lemayhew in 2021. So you look at, you know, average exit velocity for him. It was the lowest since he got to New York. And then you look at, you know, something like hard hit rate. It was the lowest since they started tracking in 2015. What I love about Lemayhew, what I have always loved about DJ LeMayhu is he pumps everything up the middle of the field yeah it's stupid how many yeah. times he just goes right back to the mound with singles or doubles stupid
0: and I wonder how much of it was him getting shifted a little bit yeah because you know people think about the shift as a pull thing what do they do a lot of time they put a guy right up the middle and and I know that's something they did with DJ a lot more and he's a guy that goes up the middle about 40 percent of the time I think that might have impacted him a little bit too I don't have the bad in front of me uh, but that's something that I, I am curious on because it would make sense that, you know, maybe they shifted him a little bit and started to get to the bottom of, of, of what he is doing as a hitter. But the thing is, is he's so effective at being able to use the whole field? I, I'm still a believer that that whole find a way uh, and, and somehow still get back to somewhere close to where he was. Uh, I think that the baseball has affected him a little bit, too. I think the dead in is, could could have impacted guys like him and Alec Bohm and those types a little bit more who I know we'll talk about in the next episode, yeah. uh, but do you have the BABIP in front of you? I do.
1: I do have the BABIP. 2021, he had a 301 BABIP. It was the second lowest of his career. His lowest is a Yankee. Only year that has been worse in the BABIP department was his last year in Colorado in 2018. Interesting. And he was bad that year. He was bad that year. I mean, the walk rate was 5% lower than it is right now. And the K rate uh, was, I think the highest of his career, Uh, highest of his career in recent memory, highest since 2015.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to side on him finding a way. Okay. How about Kevin Biggio? So this is, I I hope I'm not like cheating here a little bit because I don't think Biggio is is an everyday, above-average player that I think a lot of people think he is, or or at least people are hoping he is. But I also think that we've seen a lot of people come down too harsh on Kevin Biggio. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's a sweet spot here uh, that I, I think we're overlooking. Biggio has some swing and miss, uh, for sure, but he, he does walk a lot, and he's a guy that really struggles against lefties. I think Biggio could be a great platoon guy, who could play second. He can play first. He could play third. I think he could probably play corner outfield if you really needed him to, and just demolish righties. Even in a bad year last year, he was an 800 OPS guy against righties. Yeah. I, I think he's going to iron out some of the things in a swing. If he's 850, 875 OPS with defensive versatility against righties, uh, I think he'll be just fine. And I think that's what he can be. I, I just think you're not going to be able to have an everyday star there, uh, like they were hoping when they looped him in with all the other former, former dads, you yeah. know, that were in the big leagues. He's not in that same level, uh, no. but I think he is a valuable piece, whether it's for them or somebody else as a, a platoon bat that can play all over.
1: Yeah. And it, I think his performance over his first two years actually hurt him because it was so good. It was better yeah. than anybody was. Um, I don't want to say anybody was expecting because you're right. People had these lofty expectations for Craig Biggio's kid. Um and that's just not who Kevin Bisio is. Like, Kevin Bisio is a good baseball player, but he is nowhere near Bo Bichette, and Bichette is nowhere near Vladi. I know, like, which is it, crazy. You know, it's it's these three drastic echelons here. Vladi's obviously at the top, like stratospheric expectations, and he's meeting them already. Yeah. Bichette has superstar capabilities, and he's going to get there soon. And then you've got Bisio who is like, maybe he's an everyday starter
0: on a team, but he's a really good third corner infielder. I agree. And that's, that's exactly what I think he should be. Um, The the thing with the, with the blue Jays specifically is they've got Santiago, Santiago Espinal, who's a left-handed hitter glove for sky. That's going to be playing third. So it's a little bit weird there. um, Depending on what they decide to do, but I could see him as being that guy that could, you know, move all over the field. I don't know if they have any confidence in putting him in the outfield at all, but I think he's capable of, of anchoring it down out there. And they need a left-handed bat. That could be an interesting spot. I mean, he, he played a little bit more outfield last year, uh, made a few starts out there uh, between triple a and the, and the bigs. Uh, I believe it was 16 games out there. Yeah. If he can do a little bit of that, then there's some value there. Uh, I think that's more of what he is. I mean, he's always been a swing and miss guy, but, uh, but the good part is, is he's not a huge chase guy. He's not going to be insanely aggressive all the time. He's going to work his walks. And he's a guy that's going to punish the baseball when he gets a pitch to hit. He knows what he can hit, and he waits to do damage on those. And as a result, he's, he's going to strike out sometimes when guys execute their pitches well. But he will punish mistakes, and especially from righties, and I think he'll be fine. I mean, overall last year, like, yeah, he wasn't good, but it wasn't like he was this Absolutely atrocious hitter. He struck out 26% of the time, walked 12.5% of the time. Uh, I think he'll run into some more baseballs, especially if you put him against more righties. He'll be a good big league piece. Uh and, and I stand by that one. Blue Jays World Series contending window opens now. Now they, they
1: are they should be considered World Series contenders for the next five years, let's say.
0: Is Biggio a part of that? I don't think so. Like, what does he look like if he is a part of it? Kind of exactly what we said. I think like filling in all over the diamond and in the outfield, and I just don't know if that's. I think he's almost a little bit too good for the limited number number of abs he's going to get there. Because Espinal is a Gold Glove caliber third baseman, you're you're not going to move him from there. I, I guess you can find him some abs at second base, but they have a ton of middle infielders that are making their way through the system. Groshans is not a big impact power guy, but a hit tool, and he can play all over the infield, not shortstop really, which is ironic, but he could at a pinch. Uh, they've got a lot of other prospects as well. Otto Lopez. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, there's there's a bunch of – Martinez. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. Traded him. Yeah. Uh, but they've got dudes. And I think, honestly, I could see Biggio being that guy that's attached in a package uh, to a team. And, and you know what? That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if it helps them get to where they need to go in terms of getting um, some of the other players. Because they have like Kevin Smith, who's kind of similar – big power guy uh, who walks a lot and swings and misses. Uh, so between Espinal, Kevin Smith, BGO, Groshans, uh, Lopez, there's just so many guys. I, I think Bigio could be the odd man out here uh, because they have the left-handed bat in Espinal.
1: Yeah. And somebody else is going to want him. You know what I- Like it's one oh, of those things sure. where sell him now, because if you, if you force him in every day, he's, he's going to hit 224 again. Like if he's a focal point, he's, he's going to, not be great. Like, you know, get him off your books while you can and get some return there. Maybe get some bullpen help
0: for Kevin Biggio, something like that. I think, I think on the high end, he could still be a Jock Peterson type. I, I think huh. that there's, there's still a Jock Peterson type in there. I, I really do. Um, just, just killing righties. I know Jock wants to be an everyday guy, uh, but that's kind of what I see with him. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't get traded, I think there's a good chance we could see him getting a lot of the starts at second base. Um, So I I could see him sticking it out there if if they don't really have anybody else that they want to put at second. I I think Groshan's the, the excitement around him is diminishing a little bit because he can't impact the baseball the way that uh, I think a lot of people were hoping the power would develop. And if you've got Espinal at third, who's a bat to ball guy, you're going to want a power guy in Biggio who then you can just protect away from lefties with one of your bajillion, uh, you know, middle infielders that you have between AAA and, and the big league. So I could see VGO getting a lot of run at second base against righties. And they kind of do a platoon thing there personally, because yeah. they need a left-handed bat. They do outside of Espinal. I mean, they right. need a, an impact left-handed bat. So I, I could see that. Kind of different perspective with
1: the next guy here, because Vigio, like I, I don't want to go to this meme here, but you remember that meme where the it's Spider-Man like, meme? Uh, no, no, no. It was like uh, our, our expectations were low for you, but Holy shit. Like, you know, that meme. Yeah. 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 Um, like that's not Vigio, but compared to this guy, it is. Um, Lucas Giolito was like one of the front runners for the AL Cy Young, like it, pretty low odds, like not great value return. Uh, if you were betting on Lucas Giolito to be the AL Cy Young at the beginning of the 2021 season. And he just wasn't that this year. He was good. Like sub four ERA, Giolito was pretty solid, but he was not um, ascending to the next level that I think people were expecting Giolito to ascend to. So my question to you, arm, is, does Lucas Giolito now ascend to the next level.
0: Yeah, like, what does that look like? What is ascending to the next level? Because like what he was in 2020 was, was pretty darn good. I understand it was a shortened season. What he was in 2019 was pretty darn good. I think that is what Lucas Giolito is. Like he, to me, I, he's interesting. I'm glad, like, I want him on here. And I'm glad we're talking about him because he's an interesting case but I don't even know if he's necessarily like a bounce back candidate. He had a year that was kind of on par with what we've seen in the past. I think that's kind of what he is. Uh, his stuff is good. Uh, but I think when you look overall, he's more about sequencing and pitchability. Uh, The slider is fantastic, but you can't throw the slider every single time, right? The four seamer is, is okay. A- and I think that's kind of where he's at though is, The changeup is good. I think he needs to throw the slider more. We talked about it with, with Codify uh, with Michael Fisher. That was something that, you know, I think he he has to work on a bit, maybe mixing in the curveball a bit more. I think he could take another step up. He's still only 27. All of his metrics look strong, but I kind of think he is what, what we've seen in the last few years. Like he's going to give up a lot of loud contact when he misses his spots with his four seamer. uh, And he's going to get a lot of strikeouts when he's feeling his slider and changeup. I think he's a little bit better than last year, but I don't think he's ever a Cy Young winner. I think he's a really solid two or three. And again, I just want to stress that last year was
1: not bad. He finished 11th in Cy Young voting. He and Rysel Iglesias both got a Cy Young vote, not a first place vote, but they appeared on a voter's ballot here. I just want to run through the 12 guys that received Cy Young votes in the American League last year and tell me when Giolito is having a good year where he slots in. Stop me when, when we get there. Cool. Robbie Ray won it. Garrett Cole was two. Lance Lynn was three. Nathan Uvalde four.
0: Carlos. I think he's, what? I think he, he slots in there. Like I, I think, I think he's in that Uvalde. I mean, Lance Lynn, I think is going to slow down, but yeah. I think he's in that Evaldi range if he's having a good year. Like I think he could be a top five finisher if he's having a really good year. I think uh, so too. But I've I, I, Yavaldi really just had a really good year too, though. I, I think he's somewhere in that five to seven range in yeah. the Cy Young voting. Uh, so you're looking at like a top, potentially top 20 pitcher in baseball. So I guess a high end two is more so what I'm saying here um, could be a low end ace. So I guess I, I undershot him a little bit there. I think that was a good thought exercise. Um, yeah. I, I think he's somewhere between those two because look, the strikeouts were down a little bit last year Uh I think some of that was just better scouting reports on him because he, he had that element of surprise in 2020 because he started pitching differently, right? He started using the slider a little bit more. He started looking like a different guy than we had seen in the past. And now that element of surprise is a little bit gone. uh, And and I'm interested to see, you know, how he continues to adapt. I think mixing in that curveball more is something that could make a big difference for him. The pitch was good. He just didn't use it a lot and didn't trust it a lot. Uh, And I think that's kind of the interesting thing to watch here, but, I think he could be still in that ball game. Uh, I, I definitely think he could and, and be a top five Cy Young guy in, in the AL. Uh, but I think he's going to be closer towards, you know, a little bit better than what we saw last year.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm buying in the middle too. Like G Alito, his stock didn't plummet because he started very poorly, but he got a lot better as the year went on. Yeah. Um, you mentioned implementing the curveball more. I think he could just up the slider usage a little bit more, too. If he becomes yeah. a true three pitch guy with a fastball changeup and a slider, like I think this guy's a Cy Young contender. I think he's worth a buck or two when you put it there. But I look at guys who finished ahead of him, like Chris Bassett, G a better pitcher than Chris Bassett. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But Jose I Barrios,
1: like I think Barrios and G Alito are in the same conversation. And Lance I, McCullers is in the same conversation.
0: Yeah. I think G and Barrios are in the same conversation. Just Barrios has a little bit more upside, but it's funny that it's funny that they're both like the same age, <laughs> um, yeah. which is easy. Like some, some of those guys, it's surprising. They're like, wait, um, you talk about the slider usage. He used it more in June, way more in July, and then even more in September. So he and he found that success as the year went on uh, because he used that slider more. In the month of September, Jack, opponents hit 038 against his slider, but they hit 323 against his fastball. Really, what it comes down to, man, is how well can he mask his mediocre fastball?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it's a mediocre fastball. How well can he mask it? And I think he's figuring that out. And that's why I think he'll be a little bit better next year. I think part of masking that though is another off-speed pitch. And it would be that curveball. He's shown that he can command them all. I think that's kind of the recipe for him, but he's going to be a good pitcher for a long time. So next guy we're going to talk about. The numbers don't look great. Zach
1: Pleasak had a 467 ERA. He had a 473 FIP. He had a whip at one two. He was at 8.6 hits per nine and just 6.3 strikeouts per nine, like this guy was not missing bats, a hundred punch outs and 142 and two thirds innings. And the ERA is, is emblematic of that. Like I expected police to be really good. And he wasn't really good this year. There were guys that totally overshadowed him. Cal Quantrill came out of nowhere and was just better objectively better than Zach police Do you think Zach police can be the two for the guardians? Mm, the two, the two, the three, maybe the three because Bieber's the one Tristan McKenzie, I think just has better stuff than police.
0: Yes. Sack. Yeah. Please a command guy. Right. And another thing with police is can he mask his mediocre fastball? His is worse than Giolito's. I mean, the fastball is just not good. Yeah. Uh, even in 2020, the fastball got shellacked 321 batting average. 5.77 slugging, 6.33 expected slugging on that fastball. You know why he was good, though? The pitch that he threw 28% of the time, the slider, was unhittable. Absolutely unhittable. Yeah. And the weird thing is he phased out the slider a little bit, threw it 4% less Right, like this wow. past year. And it was great. The slider was still good. 191 opponent batting average uh, and, and a 3.02 expected slugging. So here's so, the
1: thing, like a, a 2% drop in usage could just be a matter of happenstance. It could just be this is what the circumstance dictates. It dictates more fastballs or more change-ups. But 4% is like you are making a concerted effort to move away from that
0: pitch. A it's bit. closer to 5%, honestly, too. It's yeah. 4.7. Um, so, I mean, that yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. And this is a larger sample size, too. We're talking about almost double the pitches in, in 2021 and, and phasing it out. Weird. I, definitely weird. And he threw the curveball a little bit more. So I'm wondering, you know, what the rationale was there. He, he frankly just threw the fastball more. So 4% more fastballs, which is your worst pitch, 5% less sliders, which is your best pitch. So you have to look at it like a net as well, right? Like it's almost like a net 10% swing uh, because you're throwing your better pitch less and your worst pitch more. That's kind of why he wasn't great. I think there's a lot of pressure, though, on that slider, because I don't really love the changeup as much when he locates it. It's good. But what makes a changeup better? A good fastball. And if he's yeah. throwing the change up the second most, why? What, what is he doing? Right. I'm going to say he's going to be better just because you can make pitch usage tweaks. Uh, but I think he's a number three at best. OK, uh, but last year he wasn't even that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to make the tweaks the, the Guardians are a phenomenal organization when it comes to developing pitchers. I don't know what happened last year. I don't know why he got lost along the way, uh, but I'm sure they're going to look at that and go back to square one and and kind of get him back to where he was. And that's using the pitches that work best for you. But as we talked about with Michael Fisher, it, it's surprising how many of these guys don't realize that they're not using their best pitches. So if it sounds dumb, it, it literally could be that simple for act.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, another guy in the Guardians rotation that we just mentioned, like Tristan McKenzie has more stuff. He's got better stuff oh, yeah. than Zach Plisak. I think we're buying a lot of Tristan McKenzie stock right now. Yeah,
0: I absolutely am. I mean, he it, for him, it's just the command. Yeah, um, he walked everybody last everybody. year. But then he'd have some starts where he walked nobody. He right. would show flashes where he, he was like walked in, throwing a no-hitter through six and walking nobody. The bad ones pumped the ERA up to five. Totally. 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 And, and and I think with Plesak, it's kind of the opposite. I mean, he's got a good slider, but he's a command guy. Uh, he's got great command. So the fact that Plesak has a plus pitch with that slider to go with good command, uh, I think he'll figure it out. But the problem with Plesak, too, is he, even with the great command, he was nibbling last year more than more than he ever was. And, and I think that's part of it, too, is go to the slider and trust it more. He walked guys more than he, than he did in the previous year, even though he's better than average in that department. He's got to be somebody that walks like nobody. Like yeah. that's, that's his, that's part of his success recipe. Um, whereas McKenzie, he could walk 10% of batters and be successful, um, but it's, he's got to cut it down. Right. He's got to cut Don't it do down. that. Tristan McKenzie. Aram, what do you think
1: about James Karen check?
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, the uh, spider check. Yeah. Spider check. Uh, Maga check was Maga check. One that I heard. That was a good one. That was a good uh, one. I think he's too good, man. I think he's too good. Like I understand that he hit a wall after they cracked down on it, um, but dude, the the stuff is still just really good. I think he just has to adjust to how he's gonna throw again. But like, he still struck out thirty three percent of batters. Right? Like he still struck out a ton of dudes. The expected batting average was still one eighty six, which would be top six percent of the league. Like this is a guy that is still really good. What happened with him though is. When they cracked down on the sticky stuff, he went to the fastball more and his curveball is devastating, like a devastating pitch. And he phased that out. You thought 5% was a lot, Jack. He phased it out. 17%. Yeah. 17% because he said, oh shit, I can't, I can't throw the curveball the same without the spider attack. The curveball was good. It was still good. He didn't trust it. And the fastball is great. And it still was good last year. But the more fastballs you're going to throw, it's a high spin fastball up in the zone. You're going to run into more. You're going to run into more home runs. It's just going to happen. And that's what happened. He got burned by the long ball. That's really all that his issue was, was getting burned by the long ball. Throw the freaking curveball more, man. Like, I know you don't have your spider attack, but it still works. You can still throw it. You threw it before. It works. He'll be fine. I, I think, you know, he might not be the best reliever in baseball. Like he looked like at, at some stretches, but I think he could be a really darn good setup, man, for them. Uh, and just needs to throw the curveball more.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it was it, like, it's two pitches. You know, I, I fell in love with watching Karen Jack because it was two pitches and I, I saw him live once. Um, I saw him last year at the beginning of the year, Cleveland was playing the white socks uh, when we were actually allowed to go to games in 2021 and Karen check, the first pitch he threw, um, there was about like a, a two to three minute stoppage in play after he threw it because he and Roberto Perez got crossed up. And Karen Chack spun a first pitch curveball, first pitch out of the bullpen here. And Perez stood up thinking that the fastball was going to sail eye high. And this thing nearly hit him in the dick. Like it was the grossest curveball I've ever seen. And I was at the game with my younger brother and he was like, James Karanchak's the nastiest pitcher I've ever seen. After one yeah. pitch, he throws one yeah. pitch and it's a super like granted. I'm talking about I'm talking about spider attack era, James Karinchak. I mean, it's it's a fastball that spins like nobody else's, and it's a curveball that has the sharpest bite ever because it spins like nobody else's. Now, how do you adjust here? Can you still survive on those two pitches that are a more subdued version of themselves? But yeah. I think they were so nasty that they're still going to be nasty, just not 100.
0: Well, and think about it from from the perspective of a hitter. So you get the scouting report on James Karinchak in 2021, and he goes to the to the fastball 68 percent of the time. Yeah, I'm not even thinking about that freaking curveball. No hell, not. I'm going to say locate that thing, buddy. I dare you. If you locate it for a strike, tip of the cap. Yeah, and you've got a two out of three chance that he's going to give you the heater. And you just got to look look for the heater. It's still hard to sell to hit, but you're looking for one pitch and you're trying to hit it. If you don't get it, you spit on the curveball. If he locates the curveball three times, tip your cap, go to the dugout. When he was successful in 2020, it was an even 50 50 split. At that point, you're selling out for one pitch, but you're not feeling great about and the you're percentages. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're not feeling great about the percentages. Here, you've got you've got a good chance that you're going to catch a fastball. Um, and, and I think that was really the difference. He didn't trust the curveball because of the spider attack, and uh, I think he's going to trust it again. I'm sure he's been working the whole off season on either a new recipe that won't get caught or a better way to just throw the curveball without cheating. Um, and, and I think you know he'll find that. Like you said, the curveball is still just too good. It was good after his numbers weren't great, but it was it, it still had some crazy action. Whole whole he'll be fine. Okay, so Matt
1: Manning made his MLB debut oh, in 2020 or 2021. Matt Manning, I I do like strikeout minus walk rate, which just shows you the difference between a guy's K rate and his walk rate on the mound. Um, Is far and away the lowest at any stop ever. I mean, this guy, like there was a 6.2% difference. He was striking out 15% of the hitters he saw, which was far and away the lowest at any stop. And he was walking 8.6% of the hitters that he saw. That's a terrible number. Matt Manning... He's got some interesting stuff. There's a reason he was like a top pitching prospect for the Tigers for a while. Yeah. This guy was in rookie ball in 2016. And then he was in short season A ball in 2017. He made an appearance in Low A. And then he was in Low A and High A in 2018. Got up to Double A. 2019 he was in Double A. Uh, 2019 he was in Double A for the entirety of the year. 2021, he started in AAA, and he was fine, but it, it just felt like time for him to get up and like not be a prospect anymore, and he got exposed. Is Matt Manning an
0: MLB-caliber starter? Dude, I don't want to like shut the door on Matt Manning uh, because there's a lot of things I like about him. Uh, this is one of the guys I've been wrong about, man. Like, I, I, I really... I, There's been a few times where I feel like I'm like, damn, what what did I miss there when it comes to a prospect? uh, I talked myself into Manning because of the, the narrative, right? I loved the idea of a basketball player who also played baseball through high school, didn't focus on pitching till his junior year, took his stuff to another level, insane athlete on the mound, was committed to play basketball and baseball at Loyola just really exciting athlete that got better and better. As we saw him, the question was the command continue to get better and better with the command each year. You'll see the walk rate continue to drop. Strikeout rate continues to rise. Fastball had crazy life at points up to 96, 97 below was down. Uh, when we saw him at the big league level, he came out this year in 2021 and triple a first, and just didn't look like the guy i had been watching before, but then settled in a little bit, uh, you know, as he got some more time and ended up being all right. Uh, but overall, he was just getting pummeled. I mean, like pummeled with the fastball. It was straight as an arrow, uh, and and we saw that it, it, he gave up eleven home runs, dude, in thirty two and a thirds innings in AAA. Yeah. So they brought him up to to the big league level to to just kind of help develop him. It was working for Tarek Skubel, It worked for Spencer Turnbull, It worked for some of the other guys up there. Um, worked a little bit for Casey Mize, teensy bit. Worked for a little Casey bit. Mize. Casey Mize got better. Um, you know, and I think they were hoping for the same thing, and it just it just didn't happen. Um, you know that I think they hoped Maybe putting him in a in a pitcher friendly environment would help, and I mean it did. He gave up one less home run and almost triple the innings. But dude, the fastball straight as an arrow, and he has no confidence in the secondary stuff right now. I, to me, I saw a guy. We talk about Mackenzie Gore, obviously not to that degree, but I saw a guy that just seemed like he was a little bit like in his own head on the mound. Yeah. Uh, he was just looking different start to start. Some starts the VLO was really low. Some starts the VLO was up to 96, 97. Uh, some days he was just only throwing fastballs, some days he was mixing in everything else. Some days he was going two seamer, some days he was going four seamer. He doesn't know who he is right now. And it's really hard to figure that out at the big league level. I get why they called him up. I just don't know if that was the right move. And, you know, he's I just don't I don't want to limit him. You know, like I don't want to say he's not a big league starter. I'm not gonna say because he could put it all together and be great. Yeah. But I think he's not ready still. And I think he's going to struggle still next year, uh, but hopefully he can work through it. Okay.
1: So uh, I'm going to say something. And if you vehemently disagree, then say so, but if you kind of agree, you don't have to say anything. Um, in 2022 and 2023, I think that Alex Fayeto off of Tommy John is a better option for the Tiger starting rotation oh. than
0: Matt Manning. Oh, I mean, I have to sneeze real quick. Oh, I might not sneeze. I might not sneeze. Okay, good for you. You scared me away from the sneeze. I, like, I don't think it's that crazy, dude. I, I liked Fiedo, Fajardo, but Fiedo's still a back end guy. I think Manning has more upside athletically and stuff wise. Yeah, but it's but gonna take. Fiedo's probably safer. He's probably safer. Yeah, I crazy and, to say. I just don't know. Like, assuming Fiedo looks like a normal, you know, like he did before, yeah. off of Tommy John, which I think he will. And I don't, I don't know what his timeline is. He got it kind of quick. So I think he should be, he should be back. Yeah, right really quick, You know, I, like he didn't really take the can down the road, like elbow soreness, but blah, blah, blah. it was like, woke up fight. was getting Tommy John. I was like, what, when did he have issues? So I think he should be good to go. I don't think it's that crazy, man. I, I like he, he doesn't walk anybody. And I think he's really going to benefit, you know, Fado that is it, in the big ballpark. I honestly, I honestly kind of agree with you. All right. Two Royals
1: that we'll touch on quickly. Um, same question for each of these guys. Do you still believe that Brady Singer can be a frontline guy?
0: Not an ace. I think he can be a legit number two, uh, number three type. I think he's more of a good number three that gets you a lot of swing and miss, and we'll have his blow up starts from time to time. But I still believe in Brady Singer. It's about the third pitch for him. The slider and fastball are fantastic. They're great. It's about command, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man in the third pitch, which is a lot of guys, but singer has shown that he can have success with his two pitches at the big league level until, you know, the league figured him out a little bit more. But if you look at like FIP too, it seemed like he had some bad, bad at ball luck last year as well. If his ERA was closer to the FIP, if we were in the, if he was in the low fours last year, I think people would say, Oh, like, when's he going to take the next step But nobody would be like, what's up with singer. So I think a little bit of it was bad luck. Uh, I mean, the strikeout rate still went up last year. So did the walk rate. So it's something to watch. But I think, you know, as he continues to feel out the changeup and the command gets better, like he's a guy that projected to have good command and had great command at UF. And then it went wayward in that draft year. He was going to be talked about as number one overall pick. Yeah. But then in his junior year, it went wayward a little bit. Uh, I don't think we can ever count on like plus command. But if it's a little bit better and he even just sprinkles in a third pitch because of how good his slider is, yeah. he's a legit number three, maybe even number two upside. I, I still believe in him. I mean, this guy, what, he's, he's 25.
1: What do you think Daniel Lynch needs to do to be a good MLB starter? I I have my answer. I I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. He's got to stop fucking walking people. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's got to stop walking people.
0: He doesn't have stuff to get away with no command. Well, that's the thing with him is it's even more dramatic than Singer because his fastball doesn't play like Singer's does but his, his breaking ball is gross. A lefty isn't touching that thing. So his fastball plays up to lefties. He has no way to get a righty out. I was watching his debut and I'm like, he doesn't, he has no shot. He's either trying to backdoor backdoor righties with the slider or throwing a fastball and praying. And that's the problem for him is, you know, he, he needs a way to get a righty out. So he needs a third pitch and he doesn't have a fastball that he can get away with. So he has to be more surgical. And I think the big reason why we saw him walk guys is he was, he had to be so careful. He, was he wasn't nibbling. trusting his stuff, nibbling big time. He's trying to backdoor guys to start off in that bat. Like he had no way to get righties out. If you look at his splits, they're egregious. Um, Lynch though, could be great. That's the thing. So if he gets a changeup going again, another guy that I even more so than singer could be great. Uh, I think singer is the safer option right now. Um, and, and I think singer is the better option. Lynch, I could see a bullpen future for him, to be honest. Okay, so I'm I'm actually going to buy Daniel
1: Lynch stock because when I watched Lynch this year, I saw a lot of Dylan Cease. Like, I saw a lot of what I saw when Cease first came up, and that was nibbling. That was 100 pitches through four and a third, yeah. zero confidence in any stuff. But the stuff was really good. Like, I was just yelling at the TV, like, why don't you have confidence in these pitches? And that's what I find myself doing with Daniel Lynch. Like you are a good enough pitcher. You are a major league caliber pitcher Pitch like that. Yeah. They got to figure it out between the ears. And I've got
0: faith that Lynch can do it a lot like how Cease did it. And I think the way that Lynch does it is, is going to that two seamer more against the righties. Yeah. And you don't have to strike them all out.
1: No. Strike out
0: all the lefties. Ground balls to second. Get the righties to roll over and keep that pitch count down. He hey, started man. to use the two seamer a bit more. And I'm interested to see how much more he'll use that as we move forward uh, because the four seamer is just flat, man. It's just, it's just flat, but he, he's up to 94, 96. Like I think if he can find the right shape with the fastball, he can start to find success. But I mean, he wasn't even bothering with the changeup. Like he wasn't bothering. So I, I think he could still be really, I like the ceiling is hot. He's just a big, like a big gap between the ceiling and the floor. Cause until he figures that out, I think he's really going to struggle to get guys out in general.
1: So another thing that could help boost his confidence here, like with developing that two-seam fastball or a changeup is, hey, if righties are hitting this thing even hard on the ground to the right side of the infield, Bobby Witt's going to be at short. So you've got gold glove Nicky Lopez at second base to cover a ton of ground. And then you've got a young Nick Prado at first base who can cover ground as well. Like you're going to have a really talented right side of the infield defensively. Have some faith that they're going to do their job.
0: Totally. And you know what? I think he can find that change up. Like I I, think he's too gifted to, to, to not be able to find it. Like he's such a good athlete. He, he carved up through the minors. And I was, I was surprised the fastball didn't play better because it seemed like it had a lot of life, but it, you know, sometimes it's just different in the box. Yeah. Trust that infield. That infield's nasty. Pitch yeah. to contact uh, if you have to, and then you'll get guys with that slider. Uh, I totally agree, but I'm excited to see how the changeup develops. All right, so we just ran through a ton of
1: pitchers. We're going to go four hitters to wrap this thing up. Let's start in Houston with Alex Bregman. Bregman has some holes now. He didn't have any holes in 2017. We knew what was going on in 2017. Obviously, Bregman missed some time with injury in 2021, but Alex Bregman was not Alex Bregman. He was not one of the most feared hitters in the American League and outperforming his stature. Bregman was a good hitter, but he looks like he's phased out with Altuve and Jordan taking the step up and Kyle Tucker taking the step up and Yuli Gurriel winning a batting title at age 68. Like, yeah. I mean, Bregman looks like an afterthought in this lineup. Can he become the focal point again? Well, you know, it's funny,
0: man. And, and well, short, short answer is no, but I still think he's a good regular, right? Like he's at 800 OPS guy like right around there with good defense and a little bit of speed. Um, but he's not the MVP candidate, Alex Bregman, that, that we thought he was. People make a lot about the sign stealing scandal. And I, I don't really buy into it as it pertains to Correa. I don't buy into it as it pertains to uh, Altuve even, you know, I, I think both those guys are just too damn good. Bregman's a good hitter. And, and like, that's why he was able to turn into a phenomenal hitter during that scandal And he's still a competent hitter now. He was a guy that always struggled against curveballs, always was terrible against curveballs. And then magically, between 2017 and 2019, he could hit curveballs a little bit. (laughs) And look, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist guy, but but this is pretty clear as day. 2016, 161 against breaking balls, dude. 161 with a 38% whiff rate. You fast forward, 2017, where where the whole thing allegedly began, right? 268 with a 20% K rate. Fast that forward is, to 2018. That's a 15% decrease in whiff rate, and doubled almost his batting average, uh, and almost tripled his expected slugging. 2018, 301 batting average, and the whiff rate drops to 14%. 14%. 2019, more of the same. 2020, 150 against breaking balls, 26% whiff rate. 2021, 220 against breaking balls. It's it's uncanny. Like Steve Harvey, show me cheating. It's just it, right? Like it's it's
1: literally there. It's on the board, right? Man, so Bregman. I mean, this guy was rolling over more shit in 2021 than he ever has in his life. This guy was all fields, power to all fields. He's, he's taking pitches that aren't in the zone. He's swinging at pitches that are in the zone and he's pumping them up the gut and the other way, right? He is the right-handed bat that shoots the right center alley. That was not him this year at all. I mean, there were a lot of high chopping, slow rolling ground balls to the third baseman that came off of Alex Bregman's bat this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just not, he doesn't pick up breaking balls. He just doesn't, he doesn't. And and I think that's pretty clear. Uh, he cheated and it worked. Yeah, and yeah. now he's back to what he always was, which is a 750, 800 OPS guy at third. That's what he is. And he's and not going to ever be back the past. To he is, yeah. he is a superstar of the past
1: and yep. he just signed. I mean, he, he just signed a five year, hundred million dollar deal before the 2020 season
0: didn't well, when astros know that what didn't he know he was cheating like they, they did it with him so
1: like when <laughs> think about it like he gets off when he's 32 years old he's done with that deal when he's 32 you should still be in line for 5 if you're a superstar
0: at 32 years old he's not going to be in line for that nope because he's also moved to third now and when you move to third you got to hit for more power and he's not he's not and and the scouting report is clear as day on the breaking balls and now I think you know these are just going to see more of those. It was it worked for him when he knew they were coming, and you know I think that's that's the big struggle now. But I mean to, to go from 161 to 300, then back to 150, it doesn't it doesn't get much more clear cut than that, right? Yeah. Do you have more faith in Alex Bregman or Matt Chapman? Matt Chapman by a mile. Why? Because Matt Chapman is what he is, and you know I think that's a guy that was coming off of another hip guy coming off of a labrum surgery, had a really good finish of the year power wise. And and for Matt Chapman to be Matt Chapman, he just needs to, to hit for power and and walk a little bit to offset it. Like he's always going to be a lower batting average guy who, you know, strikes out a little bit uh, and plays platinum glove defense. I I think Chapman will be that guy and he will run into baseballs like he did down the stretch. Uh he he's just got too much power and and he hunts the right pitches. I, I believe in Chapman for sure.
1: Yeah. I think I do too. Um, Like, like nothing about, you know, obviously he struck out all the time, um, but he walked a lot this year. He realized that when he couldn't hit shit with an, or he, he had to take pitches and he was, so he figured it out. I think he's a smart guy that understands himself a lot more than somebody like Bregman understands himself. Um, And knowing your role, like being a true professional athlete, is probably the most beneficial thing you could do for yourself because that creates longevity. And if Chapman looked himself in the mirror and said, "I'm going to be the best defensive baseball player on planet Earth, and I'm going to hit decently," yeah, that's the best thing he could
0: possibly do for himself. And, and I'm going to run into power, right? Yeah. Like I'm just I'm I'm going to be kind of that three true outcome guy, but play elite defense like that. That's fine. What is Bregman's identity? What is he you know saying, like, what I'm saying? Yeah, it was being like an all around hitter. Bregman's not going to sell out for power. No. And he's not like a speedster. He's a good defender. Like he doesn't really have an identity. He's just a super average player. When you have
1: to cheat to do your best thing, that's not a good recipe for success. Like Matt Chapman, there's no way to cheat
0: defensively. He didn't. No, exactly. He can't. And, and, I loved what we saw from Chapman in August. He fell off a little bit September, October. So it'll be interesting to see how how he returns, uh, you know, next year and how everything goes. I mean, he's probably going to get traded. Uh, And and I think a change of scenery, new ballpark. I mean, keep in mind, that's one of the least hitter-friendly ballparks out there too. Um, You know, that could be something that helps Chapman a little bit too. Yeah.
1: So it it felt like Fletch Daddy, David Fletcher, was like going to be a piece for the Anaheim Angels. (laughs) I still think that he could be a piece, but I mean, this guy is like – Um, if you lightly tap the upgrade button on Kevin Newman, like zero, or maybe Adam Frazier, just zero power, like negative power, but this guy just slaps it around. Did John Smoltz say that David Fletcher was one of his. Favorite players in baseball, or something like, or did. most exciting baseball players, like in, in the game right now. Like He's before riveted. Tatis, it's just David Fletcher because he does everything the right way. Like Fletcher, I just don't think is like a piece on a World Series winner.
0: He's a great, great utility guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like a, like a sick utility guy, like the best but, version of Brent Lillebridge ever. Like I, that's all I'm good. Like Mike Mordecai, uh, <laughs> remember that? You yes, remember that guy? I do. Like that—that's what I'm looking at here. I, such a good defender, can play all over the infield. But like, I and I understand the Angels don't need him to to hit for much power because they've got that covered. But I mean, dude, like, this is not your starting shortstop next year, right? Like, you cannot start a guy at shortstop who slugged 324. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like Fletcher has to hit 350. To be valuable because he'll be slashing 350, 350, 360. Yes, he's got the Nick Magical line yes. 320, 320, 320. Except he's not quite as good of a hitter. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I I don't know. Like David Fletcher's a guy I could pout, pal- like it's palatable at second base. Uh I don't really know what they're doing. Like, I, I don't, I don't really know what the deal. And, and they gave him money. Like, not a ton, but it, what was it? It was like five years, 26. I think so.
1: It was like the David Bodie deal. It's like, just yeah. lock him up for a long time with why not a lot of money. Like,
0: why? I, I, don't I, know. I guess, like, that's utility. Is that utility value? Like five a year? No, not really. No, I don't know. That's like what Miguel Rojas is getting. Right. And who's a lot better. Yeah. A lot better. So, I, look, I, I think Fletcher could be their starting second baseman. That's fine. But I think he's going to hit better. Can, can, we, can we say that, though? Yeah. Babip was low as it's ever been. He had some really good stretches. He had the longest hitting streak in the season. I think he'll be closer to what he was in 2019, which was a 96 WRC plus guy, uh, 290, 353, 384. He plays phenomenal defense. He was a three-win guy in 2019. Yeah. So I, I look, I'll say he was, he'll be better than he was last year. I'll okay. say that okay. he's not going to be 2020 David Fletcher. Cause I was 49 games, yeah. but I think he'll be better than he was last year, which is one, super boring.
1: One more guy, his teammate to wrap up this episode, Joe Adele, we were expecting to come out like gangbusters and be a star. And this guy is one of the best position player prospects in baseball. Hasn't looked like that through his first two MLB stints. I've got a ton of faith in Joe Adele. Like I know you love Brandon Marsh. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marsh and Adele is the conversation, right? Like who would you rather have as your center fielder? I think they can both be in the outfield. Like, I think we're looking at an outfield of Trout, Marsh, and Adele for the Angels for the next five years with Otani as the DH. And you're yeah. looking at like best four outfield DH combo in baseball.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got you got Joe Adele and left, Marsh and center. Trout and right. Yeah. It's a sick outfield. Sure. Um, Trout and right. Okay. Trout and right. <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see. But no, I, I, I totally agree with you, dude. I mean, how old do you think Joe Adele is? I've got it here. Yeah. He's 22. He'll be 22 at the start of the season. I think for a few days, 20. Got, uh, yeah. April 8th, 99. Yeah. I mean, he, he's so young. And I understand that there was some swing and miss and that was a concern. He made some really good improvements uh, with his swing and his setup, much more quiet, much more geared for contact. The power is always going to be there because he's a freak of nature. The walk rate was much lower in this MLB stint. I mean, sorry, the strikeout rate was much lower in this MLB stint. I want to see him walk a little bit more. That's, that's something that I think we need to see. Uh, But, you know, I thought that it was somewhat encouraging what we saw in his, in his stint last year. I mean, he was horrid in 2020. Like uh, not even competitive. And I think he came up this year in 2021, it was 35 games and he really started to seem like he was feeling it and starting to understand and feel comfortable. I think he's going to come out this year and I uh, look, I'm not saying he's going to light the world on fire, but I think he's just going to keep getting better and better. The more we see him, uh, I believe in this guy. And I mean, he hit 23 home runs in 73 games in triple a, he's going to strike out if he can boost the walk rate. I feel good about it, but I don't think he's a center fielder as much as a corner outfielder uh, at this point. Uh, he's just his defense has diminished a little bit, but the power is exciting. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I, I like it. You know, I'm going to I'm going to timestamp this and say, come back to this episode on Sunday, January 31st, 2022. Uh, when Joe Adele, who is is rep by the Boris Corporation, signs a two hundred million dollar deal. Yes. Like that, Joe Adele is that dude. Me. I really think he's that dude. I don't think it's outlandish to say that Joe Adele is a
0: two hundred million dollar player down the road. Not at all. I mean, dude, when you have the physicality that he has. Oh, my God. And I love the willingness to adjust. I mean, the swing looked totally different. The setup looked totally different. He, like, it, it looks so much better. He's going to keep getting better. He's got a couple of good good hitters to keep picking their brains, right? To, oh to keep God. picking Mike Trout, Shohei. And I think Shohei is like kind of a similar... Where you're gonna strike out a lot, but you're gonna get a bang for your buck when you make contact. Like Shohei's a great guy for him to talk. Dude,
1: how to. about Rendon? Talk. Yeah, to I was gonna say Andy Rendon, Rendon too.
0: too. That's a so. I mean, like I, he's gonna figure it out, man. He's gonna figure it out. He's got some of the best hitters in baseball around him, and he's already showing good signs. And and if you want to uh, lower the K rate, just talk to David Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can show you how to play uh, a little fungo.
1: Yeah, just slap it around. Just a lot of wrist. Um, Yeah, I mean, Joe Adele actually just looks like a possession receiver that's playing corner outfield. Like, he's 6'3", 215. He looks like he could be DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Yes, he is unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable athlete. That's that. I mean, we just rolled through a bunch of guys, and tomorrow, Aram and Pete are going to walk you through the National League. So, um, all the merch is in the episode description. Uh, The call-up. Mets top 10 coming out in the, in the coming days. That'll be us two again. Uh, and RM and Pete, will talk to you tomorrow.